Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Rugby Lineout podcast. So, yeah, uh, this week, obviously, we're going to be talking about another incredible weekend of Six Nations Rugby. Um, yeah, three amazing games. Um, obviously, you know, if you're a Welsh supporter, uh you won't feel that that game at Murrayfield was that amazing, but certainly if you're a Scottish supporter, you'll be feeling pretty excited about that. Um, England and Italy, I think a little bit like if you've watched Two Cents, uh, our good friend Mark at Two Cents Rugby's review of that game that's posted on the TV page. A tough one, that one. I, I enjoyed the game, um, and it had a lot of merits from both sides. Definitely good to see England really start to establish a bit of a platform with some real players stepping up and coming to the fore, especially some of the, the newer talent. So that was really good to see. Um, Italy, pretty strong second half, um, and certainly not a hiding. Um, so they can feel pretty good about that. But yeah, I think, it, I, I don't know why. It was just, for some reason, that was perhaps the most underwhelming game of the weekend. Um, even though, you know, for England, it was definitely a very positive and much needed result. And Italy, definitely something to build on. But, you know, that game between Ireland and France, unbelievable. Um, yeah. Sorry, I haven't seen that good a Six Nations game in many a year. It was that first half in particular was spectacular. Um, I I just don't know how you could not call that great sport. It it was phenomenal. Um, you know, uh, ultimately, I think Ireland. You know, despite and we'll touch on that in a little bit, but despite some of the unfortunate officiating calls i think very much the deserved winner um and france in a way um you know i don't like to say oh well that therefore means they're the number two side or the number one side that's not what's up for debate here but you know you look at france's performance in the italy game and you look at their performance in in that game they're still one hell of a side make absolutely no mistake with some extraordinarily talented players but they're not just, they're somehow just not clicking the way they need to be clicking. Um, and, you know, I think obviously in, in, in this, a World Cup year, a little bit, a little bit, a few worrying, worrying things to, to think about um, if you were in the French coaching staff. You know, by the same token, I think, you know, what you probably don't want is France to sweep all and sundry uh, in front of them ahead of the World Cup and then go into their own World Cup in a couple of months' time with perhaps a false sense of security or, or confidence. And I think certainly what this tournament is showing up is that France will not exit the Six Nations um, with any kind of false sense of security or comfort. They have work to do. They know they do. Um, and they are fallible. Um, and that's very much what we, we are seeing as for the Irish, um, you know, they will feel pretty pumped up two games in top of the world. Number one, 
you know, their rank at, as, as the number one team in the world has been further reinforced by that victory in Dublin last weekend. But, um, you know, and again, it was pretty hard. It was pretty hard to pick any faults in that performance. And what I think I found most important was there's a lot of things to be really excited about from an Irish point of view, particularly heading into a World Cup. You know, Sexton went off relatively early um, and Ross Byrne stepped up and had a really good shift. Um, and, you know, a couple of, uh, you know, there was the return of Connor Murray, particularly now we know the backstory to that under quite exceptional circumstances. And he was fantastic. You know, um, I love Connor Murray. I think he's, he's a fantastic player and it saddened me in some ways to see him kind of almost get pushed into the, into the background um, with the rise of J- Jameson Gibson park. And yeah, his performance last Saturday you know, to, to use the French word magnifique, especially, like I say, given the backstory to that, which we'll touch on in a minute. Um, some injury concerns, obviously, for Ireland coming out of that game, obviously, Sexton. And the really bad news, from my personal point of view, is that uh, Tide Byrne is now out of the, the rest of the Six Nations uh, with an ankle injury. Um. But, you know, I think the flip side of that coin is what a golden opportunity for for Ireland to uh, really, particularly for this Italy game, like even if Sexton does get past fit um, with his head injury uh, protocol, um, don't use him for the Italy game. Take the Byrne brothers, give them a real shot. Um, and I, I'd argue even for uh, the the Scotland game, Although now having seen Scotland uh, and having seen Scotland in Ireland's World Cup pool, yeah, a statement is going to need to be made against Scotland because Scotland are looking dangerous, uh, and that's putting it mildly. Um, so, yeah, but I think that it's certainly, um, you know, I, I never like to use the you know, use the term that injuries have provided opportunities. I never want it to be seen that way, but... Um, this is a chance for Ireland to really dig a little bit deeper in terms of, of depth, um, particularly in the, in the second row and uh, in the, uh, the fly-half position for the, for the Italy game and possibly for the Scotland game. So we'll see. But yeah, um, just, yeah, what a game. Uh, what a phenomenal game last Saturday in Dublin. Um. So let's get the let's get the elephant out of the room first, I guess. And that was, you know, Wayne Barnes, probably the most experienced test ref right now. Perhaps trying to follow in the in the shoes of the great Nigel Owens. Um, overall, I thought he had a good game. Um, you know, one of the things that Barnes does try and do and do well is keep the momentum of a game flowing. And I think in that respect. He did that very well uh, last Saturday. I mean, that particularly that first half, I mean, it was just frantic. Um, you know, it's like all the commentators and pundits have all said. It was exhausting to watch it um, and how those players managed to keep going for another 40 minutes. And you could see that the second half, um, it had it had really taken it out of, of, of the players. I mean, a lot of them just looked, 
downright knackered by the time the final whistle blew. But I will say I actually thought the Irish players looked a little bit fitter than their French counterparts. Um, and that may be put down to, to the rigors of, of top 14 competition. I don't know. Um, but yeah, um, but yeah, I, I just thought Ireland looked a little bit sharper and more efficient in the, in the second half and able to cope with, um, you know, the, the sheer exhaustion of a game played at that speed and at that pace. Um, but yeah, going back to, to the original point, what I was just saying is I thought Wayne Barnes did make uh, two calls that while I don't think um, they influenced the outcome of the game, um, I certainly think that French supporters in particular can feel slightly aggrieved, um, but also lucky in, in, in the same context. So let's start off with the first one and that James Lowe try. Um, I remember watching it and myself and a, and, and a friend who were watching it, you know, we both looked at it and we thought you need some more camera angles on this because it's almost, it, it defies all logic that one of his feet, you know, that, that his left foot wasn't, wasn't in touch. And sure enough, uh, as the camera angles came out after the match, his foot was clearly in touch. I mean, an amazing piece of physical athleticism from James Lowe. Um, don't take away from that for, for a second. Um, but yeah, uh, just, you know, I, I can understand why French supporters would feel aggrieved because that image or those angles should have been made available during the match, not post-match. And it clearly wasn't a try. As spectacular as the effort was by by James Lowe. Um Having said that, even if they had disallowed the try, it would not have um, changed the result. Um, you know, Ireland still would have won that game, albeit not as comfortably, but they still would have won the game. Um, and then the second point of contention was the uh, Uya Antonio tackle on Rob Herring. Um, that should have been a red card. Um, you watch any of the videos of there, he makes no attempt to change his height. The player isn't really dipping, and he just goes in, and it's it's shoulder-to-head contact, and that's it. Now, let's just rewind the tape here if you're feeling aggrieved as a French supporter. Imagine if the low try, as it did, um, stood, and then Antonio then got a red. Um, then it, I think it would have been a very different day at the office for the French, because now they're down to 14 men, um, it could have been a lot worse. So while I think French supporters can feel pretty aggrieved um, with the low try, I think they can also feel pretty lucky that Antonio uh, only saw red. We'll be talking about that on the on the blog tomorrow, but because um, he has subsequently now got a three-week uh, ban, which basically means he's pretty well out of the Six Nations. Um, but yeah, I think they, they got lucky there. So you know, sadly, not the best day at the office for, for poor old Wayne Barnes. Um, but yeah, Ireland overall, I thought, were the better team. And I'm not saying that with any bias, as you all probably know by now, I am an Irish supporter. But um, it was an equally magnificent performance from, from France. And, you know, some of their players really stood out. Um, you know, Dupont in particular, I thought. Um, but... 
you know, a good, good overall effort from the team as a whole. But I think the big difference was France still much like in the Italian game. They looked, there were too many errors um, and they just didn't look as polished as we're accustomed to seeing them. Whereas Ireland really looked the business. Um, you know, that, that, that try that Hugo Keenan try with that beautiful flip off, uh, from Finley Beelham, just magnificent, just, just absolutely outstanding. And there was a lot of that sort of stuff that you saw from Ireland. The, the precision was there. Now, by the same token, there was some spectacular stuff from, from France, like that Damien Pinot try was phenomenal. I think the difference was, is France looked more like Carpe Diem sees, sees the opportunity. Whereas, Ireland had the skill set to um, to make those opportunities present themselves in the first place. I think you know France looked reactive. Uh, Ireland looked more like they knew exactly what they were doing and how to do it, and it was already pre-planned, and they knew exactly what they had to do. Um, as and a lot of it looked very very clever. So yeah, uh, great game to watch. Um, you know, it, it was pretty tight. Uh, you look at the stats, um, possession, you know, it was pretty close between the two sides with Ireland having the, the slight edge. Um, territory, uh, you know, Ireland really made a good fist of that. They really, their kicking game was a lot better and they really, they really denied France any traction. Like their, their line speed and their speed and defense just, just suffocated France at, at times and, and really didn't allow France to build any kind of platform. Um, obviously, you know, Ireland outscoring uh, France four tries to one with the bonus point. Um, pretty good day at the office in terms of, con, you know, converting those tries, um, only missing one. Um, but yeah, um, very close, like meters, it, there's nothing between the sides. Um, I think the one thing that 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 Ireland will feel unhappy at, about in that game, it didn't end up costing them, but they did miss a lot of tackles. Um, they won't feel particularly happy about that. They missed 38 tackles compared to 23 for the French. Now, admittedly, the French had to make a ton more tackles, 235 to Ireland's 139. Um but yeah, that's the one area I think if if Ireland go away from this game, they won't feel too too happy about. But you know, apart from that, um, the rest of it, you know, was was pretty even. Um, Ireland did tend to chuck the ball around a little bit more, um, but France's offloading game I thought was overall a little bit better and more effective. Um, but you know, it, there's really not a hell of a lot in it. Um, but as I say, that that tackle, that tackle count will will worry Ireland a little bit. Um, so yeah, I mean they only had a seventy three percent tackle success rate composed uh, compared to France, who had a ninety percent tackle rate on two hundred and thirty five tackles. That's pretty damned impressive, uh, irrespective of the scoreline. Um, but yeah, you know the rucks, it was even Stevens uh, lineouts. Ireland didn't have the best day at the office in terms of the lineouts. France were a lot more effective there, but
but you know, scrum parity was even, um, you know, penalties, not too much. The, the discipline was pretty even Steven between both of them. And, and yeah, so, so I go aways. I, I don't think France have to panic just yet. Um, Ireland have some work ons, obviously the loss of tide burn, uh, is a real blow, but there's an opportunity for Ryan Baird, if you ask me, in the second row. Uh, we talked about the fly halves. Um, but I think what I really have to to do now is make special mention of Connor Murray. His father uh, was just literally a day or so before the game involved in a horrific bicycle accident where he was hit by a, a truck in Ireland, uh, sustaining serious and potentially life-threatening um, head injuries. Um, and you know, Murray goes into that game and somehow manages to put all of that behind him, uh, and produce one of, I would argue his best performances in recent years. It was phenomenal. Um, and huge credit to him. And I think from all of us here at the line out, uh, our, our hearts go out to Connor and his family and we all, sincerely hope that the news uh, is good and his father is is on the mend and, and gets 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 well soon um because what a devastating blow but you know all credit to him i also thought there were a lot of nice touches uh the french coach fabien Galtin knew this at the end of the match he goes up and and gives conor murray a hug it just you know reinforced you know the the extraordinary values of our game um, you know, when Tide Byrne hobbles off in crutches at the end of the match, Murray goes up and gives him a hug. I mean, just phenomenal stuff. And, you know, like I've always said before, um, I, I, it, it's saddened me a little bit to see that, you know, um, Murray's been kind of pushed off to the side a little bit. And admittedly, his game hasn't been in the best of form recently. But, yeah, I, I think after last Saturday and what he must have mentally been going through and then be able to produce a performance like that. Sign him up, man. Get him back on the train because he is back with a vengeance and great to see. So all credit to him. So yeah, that was Ireland, uh, France, and then Scotland, Wales. Um, again, you know, talk about heroes. Um, it was the initial Dottie Weir Cup. Um, Dottie Weir, who sadly passed away at the end of last year. Um, they've now, you know, and, and, and great to see all the fans in the audience, all the Scottish supporters, you know, all carrying Dottie Weir's tartan and, you know, that now this match is named after him, the Dottie Weir Cup, and and just, just great. Again, it's just going back to the incredible values in our game and, and how great it is. But yeah, quite the game um, from a Scottish point of view. And the big word for Scotland for me now is consistency. It's there. Uh, this is a very different looking, and not really a very different looking Scottish side. They, they, they've always looked like this. They've always had the potential. They've always had the talent, but they've never had the consistency. And now all of a sudden they do. Two games in now, and they find themselves second on the log. You know, they could have a shot at some some silverware. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. But, yeah, great performance from Scotland. Um, it's interesting that, you know, Wales did actually, the possession statistics were even, 50-all. Um, and 
and Wales actually had more territory, 61% to 39% of Scotland. But Scotland was just so much more clinical and uh, effective with whatever they did. So, yeah, that was pretty impressive. And, you know, five tries to one, that's that's a pretty damning scoreline. Um, you know, and basically a, in everything else, Scotland just, you know, just dominated the statistics. The only area where possibly uh, Wales had a little bit of an edge, 69 gain line carries, um, as opposed to 52 for Scotland. They were passing the ball around a little bit more, Wales, more offloads. Um, but yeah, they just they just couldn't really finish anything off. Um, and a lot of missed tackles in that game. 34 for Wales, composed to 11. Uh, Wales, Wales, you know, stats are pretty damning. Uh, 93, sorry, 93% tackle success rate for uh, Scotland. And they did actually have to make more tackles than, than the Welsh, but the Welsh only 75%, pretty poor. Goal kicking wasn't that great. Um, that's, I guess, the only downside to Finn Russell's games. Not a great goal kicker. Um, and Scotland, sadly, are leaving a lot of points out on out on the park as a result of that. It's something they may look want to look at ahead of the game with France uh, next weekend. Um, but yeah, you know, the line, the Welsh line out was pretty poor. Um, I didn't think their scrum was as bad. Um, you know, their, their scrum was relatively successful, whereas Scotland's scrum actually kind of creaked a bit. Um, and, you know, and discipline wise, they were relatively even, although um, both sides guilty of giving away some silly penalties at times. But, you know, Wales, I think the thing that really struck me with that Welsh game was you just watched Wales and you felt they were in disarray. You know, there's all this background story in Wales about what's going on um, with Welsh rugby, with the Welsh rugby union. And it's it's a complete and utter train wreck. And that's you can see that's clearly feeding onto the pitch now. The the uncertainty around the whole game in Wales is feeding onto the pitch. This is a team at sixes and sevens, demoralized, unhappy. You could you could also see, you know, there was a lot of emotion in that game and it got really niggly at times. And and you could see that that was mainly, in my view, coming from extreme frustration from the Welsh. But I will say one thing I did not like um, was watching Dan Bigger tune out um, winger Rio Dyer after, admittedly, it was a bad pass to him. But, you know, when your team is as fractured as it is with all the background BS that's going on, you can't be seen to be tuning out a young player like that in front of 80,000 of your you know, 80,000, well, not 80,000, but however, the, I think 65,000 at Murrayfield. But you can't be seen to be doing that. That doesn't lend in to, to team harmony. Um, I thought that was really, really poor by Bigger. He has since apologized. But, you know, and I think we can give him the benefit of the doubt that it's, it's, a, it's a symptom of the frustration that is, uh, you know, running rife through the whole Welsh camp and is is really messing them up. So yeah, I don't know where Wales is going. I think right now they could very strongly be looking at a wooden spoon based on their first two performances, but we shall see. 
And then lastly, like I say, there was that England, England, Italy game. I think, you know, England will feel very happy with that win. That wasn't an easy win by any stretch of the imagination. And particularly in the second half, you know, Italy came right back at them and in, in essence actually won that second half. But England managed to do enough damage in the first to make it very difficult for, for Italy to come back. But, you know, I, I think overall Italy can go away from that game feeling a sense of achievement. Um, but England, I think what they'll feel really happy about was how things started to gel for them. Um, you know, I think particularly amongst the, the new boys, um, I thought, you know, Ollie Lawrence, is that the answer for Manu Tuolagi? I think it is personally in the centers. I thought he had a terrific game. Um, be interesting to see him against stiffer oppositions. But uh, what a great start. Um, I, I was really impressed with him. He was, for me, the standout player of the match, uh, as everybody kind of commented on. But, you know, also great, great cameos off the bench from Alex, Mitch, uh, Alex Mitchell at scrum half and Henry Arundel. And, you know, just overall, that it looked like the genesis of a New England. Um so yeah really exciting and i think you know give him time give him time i think uh slowly but surely steve borthwick is starting to point this england team in, in the right direction with the personnel to take them there so i think that's that's you know like i say the game just somehow didn't quite fire my imagination as in the way that the first two did um, even though like in the Scotland Wales game, it was very one-sided for Scotland, but it was still a marvelous spectacle to watch. Somehow this just didn't somehow have it, but I think, you know, for both teams, it was a valuable experience, um, and a positive one for both. Um, obviously, particularly for England being the winners, but, you know, I think Italy would have liked a few more points on the board, but I think they can, they can walk away feeling that, in terms of the rest of their campaign in the Six Nations, that was a very positive experience. So, yeah. Um, interestingly, you know, like I say, Italy kind of won the second half. Um, overall, possession, they just edged England, 52% for them, opposed to England was 48. England kind of won the territory game. So, you know, it was kind of seesaw back and forth that way. The Obviously, England outscoring Italy five tries to two. Um, but you know, Italy relatively good at, at taking their opportunities when they did pre present themselves. I thought Sebastian Negri, uh, in the back row was absolutely immense, gave England a lot of food for thought, um, uh, too much at times, I think that they could actually handle, but, uh, yeah, he, he certainly gave them some genuine scares. Um, but yeah, you know, it was, it, it, it there was quite a bit to, to be to be pleased from. But interesting enough, Italy really is playing a running game. 401 meters for Italy, composed of 32 for 302 for England. Defenders beat, and this is a really interesting one, Italy beat 41 defenders, England only 21. Um, again, Italy edging the clean breaks uh, stat, stats. Gain line carries very even. Uh, Italy passing the ball around a lot more, a lot more offloads. Um, but I think a lot of the, some of the physical stuff England kind of dominated, particularly in the turnover battle um, and so forth. But, you know, Rux won 106 for Italy, 68 for England. So, you know, a lot of stuff there for Italy to feel pretty good about. 
Um, England, a lot of missed tackles, 41 compared to 21 for for um, Italy. Uh, Italy getting a slightly better um, tackle success rate. Admittedly, uh, they had to make less tackles than England, but England only 76%. So they'll be like Ireland. They'll be a bit worried about that. Um, yeah, you know, but the rucks very even. The lineouts 100% both sides. That's pretty, pretty impressive. Um, and England did definitely have the edge in the scrum. So yeah, really interesting game. Um, and as I say, I think that was that was the thing with that game. It was more an interesting game as opposed to a thrilling game. So that was the Six Nations. Um, really interesting games to look forward to. Obviously, a bye weekend this weekend. Um, but then at the end of the month, you know, we have some pretty exciting stuff. Uh, Ireland traveling to Italy. Wales uh, hosting England and uh, Scotland uh, traveling to Paris. That's going to be a really critical game for them. See if they can keep this momentum going. And also France get their mojo back. Also this weekend to look forward to Toronto Arrows' first game of the season. That takes place tomorrow. They're playing Atlanta. You can catch it on TSN's bonus streaming website. Um, There's some URC action going on this weekend. Obviously, the Six Nations takes a break. And Super Rugby is also just around the corner. Um, So, yeah, uh, lots to look forward to. Anyway, I'm going to sign off for now because I'm just coming up on the half hour mark and time for me to call it quits. Um, Hope everybody's well and uh, have thoroughly enjoyed these first two rounds of the Six Nations. Like I say, lots to look forward to with the Arrows starting this weekend, Super Rugby just around the corner, and more Six Nations. So take care, everyone. Stay safe. Hope this finds you all well, and we will talk to you soon.